With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Inspire Radio. You're listening to Inspire Radio. You know, it's always great on Inspire uh, to bring you, well, inspirational interviews, thought-provoking interviews, and it's always a pleasure to be joined by Manoj Krishna. How are you, Manoj? Very well, thank you, Steve. Great to talk to you again. You know, um, today, what are we going to be talking about? Well, I thought we would explore the differences that occur between human beings based on our various identities. Right, okay. You know, uh, we identify with our skin colour, for example, we're white or black or brown. Our religions, you know, we're Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Christian. Our professions, we're doctors, lawyers, bricklayers, teachers. Uh, Football clubs, Mm -hmm. we identify with our, our countries. I'm British. Uh, someone is, you know, we've got all these divisions now in our in our country, with uh, Scot- you know, someone is Scottish, Welsh, Irish, English, mm-hmm. but then we're British as well. So we carry with us all these different bundles of identities, and I thought it would be interesting to explore how these identities come about, and what are the different ways in which they affect our life. Okay, so how do they come about then? Is is it is this a little bit about conditioning? Yeah, you know, yesterday I was at a school, um, a really beautiful school in Sunderland called Hudson Road Primary School. And I was having a conversation with nine children. And just about half of them happened to be Muslim and half of them happened to be white Christian. Um, it's just the way that, you know, the dice, uh, people, mm. the kids came together. So then we were having a conversation about identity, the very okay. subject. And you'd be interested to know how wise children are. So then I asked them, I said, uh, how come you're a Muslim? And I asked the other girls, how come someone becomes a Christian? They said, well, it's from our parents. Okay. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I said, so what does that mean? And she said, well, if I'm a Muslim, I think the Quran is better than the Bible. And then the Christian girl said, well, if I'm a Christian, I think the Bible is better than the Quran. Okay. And then I said, well, what, in, what difference? Well, how will that affect you? And she said, well, when I meet someone who's different from me, I said, what happens? She said, we end up having an argument. About what to believe. What, uh, my belief is, is better than yours. your belief, you yeah. see? Yeah. And then... Uh, I said, then what happens? You, she said, then you could get angry with each other. You may not like the other person because they're different to you. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happens if you're a country and you really disagree about something? She said, we can go to war. And wow. these are 10 year Ten-year-olds. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So the question is, where do our, where does our identity come from? And are we aware of the process that results in the creation of our identities in the first place? So, I would suggest from experience of talking to many people that we are not always aware of that. No, we're not, because um, when I grew up in India, I just thought, I'm Indian. Mm -hmm. I never questioned, why am I Indian? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or suppose you grow up in Belfast. On this side of the street, you're Catholic. On the other side, you're Protestant. Yeah. You may grow up 
disliking or hating each, each other, other, and you never ask why. Yeah. So that's again, that's. I know, you know, we, we don't choose where we're born, though, do we? So, you know, you were born in India, so you become... Indian Indi- and Hindu. Indi- Indi- yeah. Yeah, and then someone's born in Belfast, they become Catholic Belfast. or Protestant. Yeah. What I mean is that we never question our identities. No. And they come from our unconscious conditioning influences. Because although you, let's take that example for a moment, you know, although you're born where you are, or or religion, or Catholic, or uh, Protestant in Northern Ireland, that's how you're, you're you're born into that. But then the conditioning through the years that develops through that comes from other people, doesn't it? Yes, so it comes from the culture that you yes, live in. Yes, yeah. And it's the nature of identity built into it that... Because I become attached to my identity, and I become attached because my sense of identity brings with it a sense of psychological security. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if I'm British and I'm with other Brits, I feel more secure, or I feel more comfortable. If I am, say, Jewish and I'm with Jewish people, I feel more secure. You see what I mean? Yeah. That kind of con- that happens unconsciously again. So what I mean is that our identities provide many of our emotional needs, which we, again, are not aware of. Yeah. See, So they meet our needs, for example, to feel secure, not to be lonely, mm-hmm. to be part of a group, to feel safe, to think, ah, if I am part of this group, then that group will look after me if I have a problem. Understand. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So groups meet many of our emotional needs. And wherever our emotional needs are met, we become attached. We become attached to people, pets. But in this case, we become attached to all our various identities. And those identities, Mana, you know, it could be... We identify with what we do as well, don't we? Yes, with our professions. Yeah. I was to be a spine surgeon, so I have an identity as a spine surgeon. Mm. You were a broadcaster, mm-hmm. so you have an identity as a broadcaster, right? Yeah. Now, if someone criticizes uh, me for being a poor spine surgeon, immediately you can imagine that creates a resistance, uh, anger, you know? Yeah. So if someone criticizes any of my identities, whether it's my skin color, my nationality, my religion, my football club, my co- whatever it is... Mm-hmm. I feel angry. Yeah. I feel stressed. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. And I feel... And all human beings feel that. Yeah. Now, it's fascinating to explore that process, see? Yeah. So what's going on in that process then? You know, because I, I know in in, um, in the book, Understanding Me, Understanding You, I, I, if I recollect, you tell a little story in there about a young surgeon that was looking for some acceptance, was that right? Yes, yes. So I had this, um, I was in India giving a talk to a group of doctors, and this chap came to me and said, I'm really stressed. And I said, what makes you stressed? And he said, nobody recognizes my worth. And I said, why do you need somebody else to recognize your worth? See, Because you have this unconscious need for other people to recognize your identity mm. 
you know? Yeah. And very subtly recognize that you're important, that creates its own anxiety and, and its own stress. And is that is that part of feeling accepted and liked? Is that is that a process that's going on there subconsciously? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, for example, if I'm a Christian, for example, I want other people to believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If I'm a Hindu, I want other people to believe what I believe. Now, in some religions, it becomes it's built into the religion to say, you need to go out and convince other people of your belief system. Right? And you can imagine all the conflict that has caused in the world. Wow. Well, you know? you've only got to think back to things, haven't you? <laughs> well, think of the Crusades, <laughs> yes. for example. Yeah. You know, the millions of people who died as part of that. Mm. But it's not specific to any one group. It's across the board. Yes. Yeah. You know, if I have got one ideology and I try to convince you and you're trying to convince me of yours, of course we're going to meet with conflict. And it drives people apart. So let's explore the benefit of identity, mm-hmm. but also what are the problems identity causes. So you've already touched on that in terms of the benefits of identity of like seen as belonging to something yes and being part of a group yes. and being accepted and it's a bit about i think what what i'm just in my head talk as we're talking about this in processing it's a bit like we feel comfortable yes we do don't we we're in that comfort zone yes okay it's nice i'm sat around here today with a few people and they're all like-minded to think like you think like me they believe the same things you do yeah. Um, they have. They look like you. We feel comfortable, don't we? We do. Now that's not wrong, but we have to explore what are the implications of that, because those implications are often hidden from our obvious awareness. See, so say we're in a group, and everybody thinks like me. Nobody challenges my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So we live in our own echo chamber, and we start believing that we're right. Yeah. We live in our own bubble, don't we? We live in our own bubble. Now, if we're just the the gardening society, it doesn't cause any harm at all. Mm. But if we are right-wing or left-wing or radical extremists or one shade or the other, you can imagine nobody's challenging my viewpoint. It just becomes established as the norm. Then one group starts developing a conflict with another group which has a different identity, mm-hmm. you know, a different viewpoint. Yes. And you can see how the seed of conflict, not only in our individual lives, but also nationally and across the world. And if you look around the world, all our conflicts are based on identity, whether it's the Catholics and Protestants in Ireland or the Scottish, English, Welsh, Irish in the country, or the Indians and Pakistanis, or the Hindus and Muslims, or the Israelis and Palestinians, mm-hmm. or Shias and Sunnis. So wherever identity forms, and you have, you're attached to that identity, is the seed of conflict, which is the history of mankind. Yeah, you're, you're just reminding me of the book Sapiens there, because they talk about a lot, that a lot in the Sapiens and the trilogies of the books. And I'm just thinking there as well, because if 
if you have somebody then who um, is a great communicator, okay, um, they're meeting the like-minded people and they're great communicator and then they influence those people. Okay, we could be on for even more conflict, couldn't we? Because them, those people go out and then have conflict with other people who don't agree with them, if that makes sense. Well, Brexit is a classic example. Mm. Uh, we have developed an identity around our opinion on Brexit. Is it our opinion? Well, <laughs> that, we're going to come to that. Actually, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. very good question. Yeah. Because, well, let's stick with the first question first, <laughs> which is that, so my identity on Brexit, say I want to leave and you want to remain, mm. then when we meet, there's conflict. You know, I've heard that family members have stopped talking to each other because they have different opinions on Brexit, mm. for example. But you raise a really interesting <laughs> point, which is where do our opinions come from yeah. and why are we attached to them? Where do our beliefs come from and why are we attached to them? Yeah. See, And the obvious answer is we're not aware that we're being influenced. Right? Yeah. You may read The Telegraph and have one view on Brexit. I'll read The Guardian. I'll have a different view on Brexit. When we meet, we won't say The Telegraph says this and The Guardian says that. No, it becomes our opinion. It becomes our opinion. opinion. Yeah. You see? So our, all our opinions and beliefs come from our unconscious conditioning. Mm. And though they provide a certain sense of security, they also divide us from each other. And they sow the seeds of conflict. So how, how can we... How can we change this then? With all these things, I think the first step is to become aware of it without judging it as right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Because it's part of being human. That's how our mind works. And at the moment, our mind doesn't function in an intelligent way. Because obviously, it's not intelligent to kill each other. No. It's not intelligent to have all these divisions in the world. Right? Yeah. It's not intelligent to be trashing our own home, which is the earth. You know, it's not intelligent to spend $1.6 trillion on arms every year while 800 million people go hungry. A million in this country are on you know, food banks mm -hmm. and yeah. so on, right? Food banks, soup kitchens. Soup kitchens, all that. In yeah. fact, in the school I went to recently, there was a soup kitchen next door, and the kids and parents often used that in the evenings. So the human mind, this is not to be critical of any one particular area, but the human mind is not intelligent in some areas. Though we're extremely capable in other areas, we can put a man on the moon and send a man to Mars and have the internet and all of these wonderful advances. But when it comes to the problems from our inner spaces, we're not intelligent. Yeah. So the question is, how can we explore this question of identity with intelligence? How can we apply our intelligence? So suppose I am Muslim and you are Jewish, okay? Mm -hmm. And we come together and we see the division between us. We see the resistance, the division. And we also see that that division, when it's multiplied, results in conflict, conflict. across nations and it results in debts. How can you and I meet our differences with intelligence. Could we, could we not explore why we think the way we think? 
Now, I think that is really interesting because when we meet, ordinarily, we would talk about our differences, <laughs> right? Yeah. What does it mean to be Jewish and Muslim? Just for example. Yeah. But if we, exp- and there, there'd be differences, obviously. You have a different story in your head to mine. Mm. I mean, for example, anti-Semitism is a thousand years old. Wow. And it's based entirely on a story. Right, okay. Right? Of Never what know. what Jesus, what happened to Jesus and his the Jews and, you know, all of mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Which we don't even know is true or not. But it's a thousand years old and it's been perpetuated from one generation to the next. So it must be true. And it's never been questioned. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. You see what, yeah. But you're right. The process between in, that leads to our identity and our division is the same, right? Yeah. You've been influenced by your unconscious conditioning. I've been influenced by mine. I'm attached to my identity. You're attached to yours. I want to convince you I'm right. You want to convince me you're right. All this is happening unconsciously. When we wake up to this, we'll realize underneath it, we're the same human being, you and I. And when we explore things and talk about things, we probably find we have got similar things in common anyway, haven't we? Yes. Because like you say, we're all human. And the beauty of the wisdom of children, Steve. When I asked these children yesterday at Hudson Road Primary School Mm. in Sunderland, which is a really deprived part of this country, I said, how would you meet these differences with intelligence. The same question that you and I are exploring Mm. now, their answers gave me great hope for the future. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. Is there there hope? Do you think there's a change? There's a shift? These children, when you ask them the right questions, they said our opinions and beliefs come from our influences, which we are not aware of. And I said, how would you meet somebody who's really different to you? They said, we'd put our differences to one side and find things in common. Common. Wow, how refreshing. Can you imagine that? Yeah, how refreshing. So it doesn't actually mean, just to clarify, that maybe you stop going to the synagogue and I stop going to the mosque. And I, you know, all of that. But my attachment to my identity is what creates the problem. Yeah, I, I get that. So going back, going back to the analogy, if we had a room pe- people here, and then well, like we had got all the like-minded people, but now we've got differences. Okay, exploring those differences, and there's a bit about acceptance here, isn't there? Yeah. So we're not always attached to everything. For example, you might like vanilla ice cream. I like chocolate ice cream. We'll never have a fight about that. <laughs> no. See? <laughs> yeah. But if I'm attached to the fact that vanilla is better than chocolate. That's when the conflict begins. You see okay. what I mean? Yeah, right. So differences on their own don't always cause conflict. It's our attachment Attach- that creates the conflict. Right. If we can let go of our attachment, you might say, hey, come to the synagogue next time and just come and check it out. Mm. And I'd say, hey, come to the mosque. Come and check it out. And we'd be, you know, we're human beings first and foremost. And then we might have different tastes and ice cream as a good example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we'd never fight about it, right? No, what's the point? You might <laughs> like a different dish to mine, you might read a different book to mine. We just accept that, you know, there mm. are differences. So understanding, but if we have to let go of our identity, one of the problems you mentioned earlier 
is that you may think, who am I then? I'll be a nobody. Well, that's, yeah, I should mention that I was listening to things on the radio today about that, you know, when people identify with what job they do, for example, and they and they, they lose the job and they suddenly, they become lost. But you're more than that job, aren't you? You're a human being. Absolutely. And the minute you realise that it's your hidden emotional needs that are looking to be met, that is the real question to explore. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that we could explore on another occasion. But... If you can find an answer to your loneliness, your sense of emptiness, your need for security, your need not to be lonely, your need to, all of those needs, if they can be met in an intelligent way, Mm. right? And you can do that by just being a human being without being attached to any identity. How refreshing. You could be free. Yeah. You know, when I, I tell you a small story. When I first came from India, I came with all these identities 30 years ago, Indian, mm-hmm. Hindu, all of those things. And as I was exploring them, one day I just woke up and realized that's not intelligent. Okay. And I just completely finished. And it hasn't come back. Hey. So once you see something really clearly, something shifts deep inside you. Yeah, you just let go of that attachment. Completely. And then you're just happy to be an ordinary human being. Being. God, how wonderful. Well, we're going to explore many things over the the next days, weeks, whatever. Um, So, Manos, you know, you've you've got uh, the Human Inquiry Project. You've got a website for that as well. Yeah, so uh, there's a Human Inquiry Project which aims to make the world a better place by helping everyone to understand themselves, but more importantly, how the shared human mind works. And we're trying to bring this understanding into education. Not a, these are not ideas according to any philosopher or ideology, but just exploring, like looking at the moon together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same moon, it's the same mind that we share, we're just exploring it. But understanding that awakens a different intelligence, which can transform our individual lives and it can make the world a better place. Can you imagine if every child in the world had this understanding of identity and the divisions it can cause and so on and grew up free of that, free of that, we would have peace in a generation. I've just got this vision in my head of just total fluidity. People moving about, free, happy. But all the conflict that we have in the world today, based on identity, could finish. finish. That's what I mean, yeah. How wonderful. Look at the avoidable suffering. Yeah. Yeah. What a... And that's a sim- it's a very simple idea that we're trying to bring into education the world over to explore how our minds work, understand ourselves. Because that brings illumination, intelligence, and freedom. Now, before we finish on this one then, because you mentioned you were at this school in Sunderland. Um, how, at the end of the day, the, the children were intelligent, started thinking. What about the teachers? So I spent an hour and a half with the teachers at the end of the day. And some of them couldn't believe that they'd lived with this 
understanding all their lives, but just it was hidden from them. You know, it's right under their noses, but they'd missed it. Mm. You know, it's it's almost like a revelation sometime when you realize, oh my gosh, someone points out to you, there's the moon, and you've never seen it in your life. You think, oh my god, that's a beautiful thing. You see? Yeah. Okay. So, um, but we're going to work together. The the head teacher there, uh, Kathy Westgate. I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name. Is um, a real visionary. She really understands the importance of this intelligence and understanding in among you know in the mm-hmm. school, yeah. both for the teachers and the students. So we're going to work together in her school, and um, I'm really optimistic. Wonderful, wonderful. And, and Manish, just we'll finish up as well because you've you've got a great book out. You know, I keep. Yeah, I've been away and my wife Anne's read the book. We took the book with us and I keep dipping in and out because it's the type of book that you can, you don't have to read it as a book. You can speak various chapters, can't you? Because the way, the way it's written, you can pick things out without yes. reading their book, you know. And so tell us about the book again. So it's called uh, Understanding Me, Understanding You, An Inquiry into Being Human. And it explores the many hidden patterns of thinking that govern our lives which we are usually not aware of. And by just waking up and exploring them. So the book is nothing more than a roadmap for us to all to explore our inner spaces. Yes. It asks more questions than it offers answers. Yeah. But those questions are what awaken our own intelligence. You know, and and I love that because that's the this the book itself, like you say, it's not it's not going you do this, you do that, you do that. It's just questioning. Yes. And it's the questions that are really important. Yeah. You know, a good analogy is Isaac Newton in 1666, sitting in his mother's garden. Yeah. Watched an apple fall from a tree and just asked why. And he became one of the world's greatest scientists, discovered gravity. In the same way, we can look at what's happening in our inner spaces. For example, the question of identity that we've explored today. Mm. And just ask why. Mm. Where does my where do all my various identities come from? Come from? Why do I, if I believe if I have a certain identity of a particular religion, for example, and somebody ten thousand miles away says jump, I get up and jump. That's what identity does. Mm. If that person ten thousand miles away says, Go and kill somebody, I'll go and kill somebody. That's the power that this identity has, you see. Mm. But if I'm intelligent, I wake up to this whole process, then I can live with my humanity as an ordinary human being. Nobody then can have power over me. I can live with intelligence. Wonderful. Well, look, thank you for talking to us today, and we look forward to talking again in the future. Uh, You're listening to Inspire Radio. With inspirational guests from across the world. This is Inspire Radio. Inspire Radio. Inspire Radio.